Support Narrative's independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative and check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to subscribe and download. If say you were the president of the United States on January whatever twenty first, and you're uh, you've got some things to do on your, what would be the first things you guys would do as a as incoming president? Oh, put science back on the front burner, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, COVID. Ron Klain, everybody mask up. I'd, I call all the governors in and have a conversation about, you know, that's the number one crisis, right? That is it. And, and deal with it, deal with it and put, put logic and science and rational, uh, rational individuals back at the top of the, uh, of the, of the decision-making process here. And really, and they, I mean, they have to, they're, 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 what else could they possibly have on their agenda at this point? It's going to be even worse by January. I think COVID, yeah, for sure. They've been indicated, there are indications out there that, um, you know, the Paris Accord and rejoining WHO are going to be among the first moves, uh, as you know, which tie yeah. exactly with what you've been talking about, sort of re-engaging the scientific world and mm-hmm. uh, re-engaging on climate change, I think is also as important. But if, for sure, the COVID-19 is at the top of the agenda. So that might be one of their first moves. Greg, what, would, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think that that's the case. And he's, in, in a sense, I mean, FDR when he took office, did not have um, a big inaugural thing. He didn't go to the balls. He went right to the White mm-hmm. House and went to work, like, immediately. And I think Biden's mm-hmm. going to do the same thing. I think he has to. I think there can't be any, you know, celebration. We're, we're not in mm-hmm. a, a – you don't celebrate half a million people dead because that's what it's going to be at that time. Mm-hmm. If we're lucky, it will be that few, right? Yeah. He's going to have to go in there and, and sign executive orders, rip up stuff Trump has done. And, um, yeah, ju- just the mask thing alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and whatever little executive orders he can do will save lives. You know, um, well, it, say so if we shut is- down now, it would. It, it, it's really, it's so awful that he just can't take over now. If we shut it down like after mm-hmm. Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and reopen mm-hmm. on January first, a lot of this would be, you know, so much better. Um, but there's such resistance to shutting down. I don't get this because no matter who you talk to, it's sort of a fair complete, no, no, we don't want to shut down. But really shutting down is about the only thing that is going to fix this in a hurry. I mean, there everything else is, a, is going to be a short-term measure. You know, it's not going to fix the problem. So why is there such resistance to this idea of shutting down? Well, why is there such resistance to mask wearing? Well, true. It's the same thing. Good point. Yeah. I mean, it's not just, I understand actually the not shutting down. I understand it. If you're a parent in New York and you're, you have a job and you're living, you know, paycheck to paycheck and they've just shut the schools down, mm-hmm. you've got to figure out what to do with your six-year-old. That's the my worst nightmare would be in, be in an apartment with four toddlers Right. On or you know six elementary school kids on Zoom, all of these women, five million women have lost their jobs in this mm-hmm. period because they have had to go home and sit with their kids. So I get the the not wanting to shut down. I get the resistance, and I understand that for for the uh, for a lot of people, it's a big problem, uh, and especially since there's no net for them, nice. there's no right. social net. But the mask thing is what I don't understand. I just don't understand it. They, it's, I don't mean it's uncomfortable, but to, to, to resist that and to say, you know, oh, let's like Bannon, you know, let's behead 
Fauci for mm. for urging this. Um, I mean, they you know they had the post office could have sent masks to every man, woman, and child in America mm. at the beginning of this. They were going to do that. Mm. Somebody was thinking about that. Someone was also thinking it's, about it's making terrible. masks a real divisive issue in this country, which is, which is shocking. And and what worries me is that you know all these sensible approaches have now been so politicized that it might be yeah. a real, really hard to get a handle on it. I do think that if Biden went out there on day one and said, "We have to shut down the country for a month. We have no choice. It's either millions of people dead or half a million dead or whatever it might be. That is our choice right now. We're going to take this measure." We're going to have to do it. Suck it up, everyone. You're all getting checks for whatever it is uh, to cover, uh, you know, your expenses for the next two months. And that's well, it. That's I mean, key. yeah, that's shut key. down and then say, we also have a social net for you. Yes, and absolutely. That's, yeah. that's how yeah. it works. That's, that's, how, the that's how you do these things in an emergency. But I mean, I think America would be somewhat understanding of that because how could you not be? We're talking about, you know, we, we know a half a million people are going to die by February if we just contain continue the same trajectory on now. But it could be much worse. I saw an estimate today of, of 700,000. And if there's nothing done over this whole period of time, then we Which, really by are, the way, there's not going to be. He's not going to do a damn thing, Trump. Oh, no, for sure. Not he's holding back thing. all the data, all the plans, everything. I mean, it's really holding the American people hostage. Then we're sort of entering a really dark period where on January 20th, which is quite late, for Biden to walk in there, he's going to have to do something quite strict. And I wouldn't be surprised if he does say, uh, it's time to shut down. Because within a month, you know, you could have this whole thing checked. Because it really does only take a month. Within, you know, if, you, if everyone actually stays home, within a month, you could have this disease. Um, well, and there's also a vaccine that they'll have to, uh, right. we haven't talked exactly. about that. Right. So they they yeah. will actually have, you know, to mobilize. But I think, you know, if you have a rational government in, char- in place in Washington that can bring the states together, and you just say, you know, get the National Guard out. I mean, this is an emergency and everybody's going to have this many, you know, if, if they, if there was a, <laughs> if there was going to be, a, a, you know, a, a, a change of hands here that was, you know, they have, if they give up and, and do what they're supposed to do, you could actually have a vaccine, uh, you know, distributed and people wearing, people, you know, shut down for a month and, and things back to normal in the spring. But I think it's so sensible, and I wish the resistance around it was was more muted because it just it seems to be the only thing that you can do. And you've, other countries are doing it. I mean, no one's comfortable about shutting down a society for that long a period of time. But I don't know if we have many other options, um, or this could be going on for months, you know, all the way into summer. But uh, that may be when vaccines start to get rolling around. But you know, three hundred million people is a lot of people to vaccinate. So. Um, but they know. can do it if they do it strategically. It all goes back to the fact that, that we have not had a functional federal government in four years. Mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. we needed somebody at the beginning of this just to say, just mm-hmm. to be the voice of authority, say, mm-hmm. hey, this isn't a political issue. Wear the mask. If Trump had done that uh, mm-hmm. back in February and March, we wouldn't be in this mess right now. And, I, and, and it's a failure of imagination. I think you asked before. Why don't people think about the shutdown? Because they can't imagine how bad things are going to be. And I think Trump is one of those people. I think when they came to him in January or December or whatever it was and said, listen, this is bad. This is what's going to happen. I think he is too stupid to think about anything that might happen three months from now. He just lacks the the, the cognitive ability to visualize what that might look like. And he was like, eh, we got to do the short term, this, that, and the other. And there's a great irony there. I think if Trump had done two things differently, just two things in the course of this of his four years, he would be uh, reelected easily. 
first, when he first took over, remember there was the women's march and all that, and yeah. Ivanka was running on that family medical leave plan that she had. He should have implemented that. He should have been like, you know what? This is a good idea. We're doing this. And then I think it would have confused people for a while and gotten them off the scent, right? Mm. That would have given him a lot more leeway to grift and steal things. But again, he doesn't have the cognitive ability to visualize why that would even be good. And again, with COVID, you know, that comes out. He gives the, the ball to Pence and says, okay, you're in charge of this now. All he needed to do was go to Fauci and say, tell us what to do and we're going to do it. And then just literally repeat whatever Fauci said that day. And then we would not be in this mess and he would be president. He would be, pre he would be reelected. It, it, You're he, assuming he, that he doesn't want this to happen. I mean, that's the underlying thing. He wanted to remain in office. I, and, and, you know, I don't think he wants to work. Mm. How hard is it to just tell somebody else, hey, whatever this guy says, that's what we're going to do. That's all he had to do. He didn't have to do anything. There's a lot of evidence to suggest that he was making money off this. You know, there is a money, a big part of the grifting is know, coronavirus, as you've Right, but the, even the grifting, Zev, e I'm not saying that he's not, and but even the grifting mm. involves some amount, the, the really good grifters, the really good money launderers, the really good mobsters, as LB would say. Yeah. Think about things in a big picture and in a long view. It's not just this week, this month. It's what about six months from now? What about a year from now? What about five years from now? What's going to go on with the money? You know, it, he's like, you know, that thing where they put the marshmallow in front of the kid and they're like, eat the marshmallow now. Or if you wait 10 minutes, we'll give you three marshmallows before they even formulate the question. He Trump has shoved the marshmallow up his nose because he thinks it's a fucking brick of cocaine. <laughs> well played. Well done. I think you're right on a lot of that. I think at the end of the day, um, you know, he's, he's been a, kind of a buffoonish, clownish almost a lampooning of himself like he's not being a real you know if he's not even being the real criminal that we expect of him he's sort of being a, a bad imitation of one um i want well, to move on to the say one thing they, the, yeah. the delay in uh in in panic in you know in causing a panic which is what he said he was trying not to do uh yeah the benefit of the 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 market the the in the insider trading that went on leffler mm, and yeah. uh the rest of the what the the senate uh, chairman the committee chairman of the health health committee i mean they all got rich off of this they so did. it wasn't it wasn't just him being dumb he was doing this because he didn't want this people were going to get rich off of it i mean i agree with you that he can't think uh, 3 months ahead yeah. and then i think once only once they got into it and saw you know that this was this was a good, a, you know, shit hit the fan w was when they realized, oh, and now we can try, you know, we can further our, our Bannon-esque smash the administrative state experiment and throw it all to the states and make them fight over this, mm -hmm. yeah. which is what they did. That's the, you know, it's an outrage. The, the, the scandal of what they did with what happened with the CDC and how it been, had been de- uh, delegitimized and and I mean you know the guy who runs it isn't is an evangelical Christian he's superstitious Redmond mm. he's uh, not even you know, he, he's even he has minders and now. Dr. Burks and yeah. Dr. Burks is a is an evangelical Christian I mean mm. these people are wackos they and they're really running the science they're running the CDC at the point in time when America needed it more than ever in history telling you that is the scandal of the entire administration and you're right if he had if he had played it differently and this is the horrible truth 
Greg, you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. If he had done one thing or two things differently on the COVID, he would have been reelected. Oh, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I think he would have. Yeah. He sort of, he's cost himself the election. And the only reason I can think that he would do that is because he was making a fortune off it or him and his cronies were making a fortune off it. Or in the short term, though, I really think in the short term, he saw dollar signs in his eyes for tomorrow and the next day, but not beyond that and didn't mm. understand the long term ramifications. That's how he's lived his entire life. He just falls into shit, gets out of it, dusts himself off. If something doesn't work out, he goes to the feds and rats out his mobster that he's working mm. with and moves on to destroy the next thing. That's he's lived. What is he? 74. It's been 74 mm. years of the same shit. And, uh, and maybe at the know, end of the day, I, I, they thought there'd be close enough an election that they could actually run this little yes. Hail Mary pass to the Supreme Court and win. I mean, that's maybe what they really thought would happen. And they still might. And they still might. But what's not going to happen, <laughs> this is my uh, transition to your story on about the Heartland. I want to play you a little clip about the Heartland terrorists. These are the Whitmer conspirators, the people who tried to kidnap oh. her uh, and who threatened to do all sorts of incredibly uh, malicious things to, to Michigan. Inside newly discovered filings, two new alleged plots in the ongoing case against 14 men who are allegedly planning to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer. According to recent filings, members of the group had a plan B, but it was initially plan A, to storm the Capitol with 200 men and, quote, take hostages, execute tyrants, and have it televised. The plan, they said, would take roughly one week, adding no one is coming out alive. The original plan B was less complicated. The group would storm the Capitol while the legislature was in session, lock the doors, and burn the building to the ground. One associate had allegedly attempted to take selfies to document entrances and exits at the Capitol during a rally. Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist reacting to the plots today. These have been stoked for years by President Trump, by the rhetoric, by the way that he approaches people and the way that he approaches politics, give space, opportunity and energy to people who are afraid and filled with hate and want to do damage. I grew up in the uh, county where a number of these guys sprouted. It's uh, southeastern Michigan and, um, you know, it, it's it's half uh, religious. I mean, back in the day, I mean, I'm, I'm the old, I'm the age of their parents. These are these are guys in their 20s. Something has happened in Michigan since this the 80s and now and these guys grew up in the in the 90s and the 00s. And I mean, you can't tell because of their beards. But one thing that is very clear to me about what's happening in, in the heartland and you know, Illinois, and Michigan, where I'm from is that 9-11, I'm convinced, the 9-11 unmanned American men, so some American men so much that they are actually, they actually have come around to admiring ISIS. Mm. And look at them. They are, what mm. this is white ISIS. Say. This is Yal-Qaeda. Yeah. It's Yal-Qaeda. Look at them. Mm. And, and the creed by which they live, look at the, look at the fantasy. A public execution, um, you know. But I mean, they're not. They're not. Obviously, they're not Muslim. Uh, but they've taken the the creed, uh, the misogyny, and the the fantasies of violence, and this kind of American homegrown concept of liberty, mm. liberty, freedom, liberty. They think they are patriots. 
And if you read, if you read about what they were, you know, they think that it's all about liberty and that their liberties have been, have been curtailed. Now, where are they getting that? Well, they come from this, this area. It's not far from Detroit. All of them are, I mean, they're rural areas, but they're also, there's, there's one county off from Detroit and then there's one more rural. The area around Detroit, the county is white. It's a hundred, it's 99.9% white where they, where these guys come from. The city of Flint is about 45 minutes away. Detroit, you know, the, the urban wasteland mm. of Detroit post auto industry is right around, is right down the road, you know, and this is where they come from. So, you know, I'm just, I'm just really interested in, and I'd like to hear what you guys think, you know, where does, where does this philosophy come from that they uh, adhere to? And is it, you know, can we blame Fox News and right-wing radio and the siloing off or of, of you know, uh, uh, of information? Or are they, do they, you know, some of them are veterans. Some, some of them have been in the Marines and, and they are, you know, they're, they're military guys. Uh, or like or like McVeigh, you know, are they anti-government because they were in the military? And anyway, I, I just, you know, the bottom line is they're a bunch of doofuses and thank God they fucked it up. You know, they're, yeah, but they're, they're, they're doofuses they're, that have been put up to something. They're, but they're, but they're the mentality, the, the philosophy of it really bears uh, study. We need to understand what's going on there. I mean, I grew up again, I grew up in Michigan and Illinois and you know, I was started out in Springfield, Illinois, as a reporter, state capital. Lincoln's, you know, Lincoln's grave is there, and Lincoln shrines are everywhere. A couple years ago, after Trump got elected, the Times had this cover story on the uh, farmers within ten miles of Springfield flying Confederate flags over their farms. What's happened in the heartland? This is the Heartland, and they, yeah. and they're literally from a town called Heart or an, uh, a township called Heartland, and I just yeah. think it's there's something going on, and obviously, uh, you know, there's a lot of study, and I think it, you know it's not just Trump that that's that's behind this, but Trump obviously unleashes it, mm. and it's not going to go it's not going to go away when oh, he, no. you know after, I think this is here to stay. It's been identified as a potential you know um, armed insurrection, like it's going to be this is a a real threat to to America in the future. It doesn't necessarily have to have to happen now. Greg, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I have, I, I think that, that was really good. Uh, yeah, yeah, and really interesting. Cause I don't know much about this. I haven't, I haven't paid as close attention to it, but yeah, when they show the, the picture of the people all in the row like that, they, they look exactly like the, the 11 people. I mean, that's what they look like. And you say they're not Muslims, but I, the, the heavy duty ISIS people aren't really Muslims either. They're, they take the, some aspects of it and pervert it. And, um, it's based on misogyny and the loss of power and the loss of mm-hmm. territory and the loss of sovereignty and all of those things. And, and you know, what you said, manliness. Um, Osama bin Laden, when he um, was starting, I, I think one of the, one of the um, grievances that he had was that the Saudis were so dependent on the United States military that they had become mm-hmm. effete in their own mm-hmm. defense. And it, it infuriated him that the, the these, um, the Arab people who are warriors from back when, I mean, 
back from from 650 whenever it was when they came out of the desert and conquered so much territory they've been great warriors and now they've been reduced to parading around in these shiny mm-hmm. palaces um uh while we come and defend them or Israel defends them or whoever. Um, and it, it, it infuriates them. It, it, it strikes at, at their, um, their heritage and their pride. And I think there is absolutely a, um, if you think about it that way, a parallel between people in, um, in the heart. I, I don't know what, what, whatever you want to call them, disaffected young people in America who, um, you know, feel like things are, are passing them by. There, there's no more industry. The jobs that they would have had 50 years ago aren't here anymore. You know, wh- whatever the reason. Another thing that I thought was, I hate Michael Moore with the, with the fire of a thousand hells. I hate that guy because um, I think his movies are um, simplistic and dumb. And that the the gun movie Bowling for Columbine. Um, it always bothered me because the, the, the conceit of that movie was him saying, why, why in America do we have the problem with guns? Canada has guns. Japan has guns. Why is it in America? But he never stops to consider the fact <laughs> what it means to be Americans. Like we, we are trained to be the policemen of the world. We have the nukes. We go there and kick ass. We have this mental image of ourselves as a nation that we don't lose wars and we beat Hitler and we beat the Soviets and mm-hmm. we're going to beat everybody mm-hmm. and we're the, you know, the global hegemon or whatever. Um, and that's that's in, that's deep in people's psyches, particularly young men. Um, and another thought that just popped into my head is that we really. Aside from, just the you know the the tours in Afghanistan and Iraq, there has not been a big war of the kind that's united a generation in my lifetime. Mm. Um, you know, since the end of Vietnam, and even that, people were trying to get out of more than, you know, it's been since World War II when there was a war in this country that we said we have to band together and go defeat the bad guys. It's just the the, the terrorism stuff sort of looked like it was going to be that for a time and it it the, the the moment passed and i think this generation of people got themselves ready to want to fight that particular power um you know i don't know i think it's all of those things it's very complicated but it's really well spoken yeah. i think that the whole um the, there's so much there's so many similarities between the al-qaeda playbook and the isis playbook and what these guys have been doing and mm-hmm. down to the vans the vehicles the flags the the, the, mm-hmm. All the iconography is so similar, but also in the way they were recruited. I mean, the sort of back channel forum uh, universe where, you know, you go if you're a disaffected male, then you find all these, you know, confined community amongst others who are so disenchanted with their world. And that is, a you know, a rife for any sort of intrusion by foreign governments or, or anybody else who wants to create this sort of, you know, insurrection in the country. And I think that's basically what they're trying to do. And I think this thing about ISIS that people fail to recognize is that ISIS makes a lot of money or had made a lot of money just by smuggling oil. It, you know, it's, that's basically what it did. It's, well, it did that. It took uh, artifacts out of Iraq. That was another yeah, side antiquities, business. Antiquities, huge yeah. antiquities market. And, and, they, and sometimes they ran people from place to place, maybe some gun running along the way. But they were a billion-dollar business in addition to being, um, you know, a, a, a terrorist organization or, or a potential uh, wannabe country. So, you know, there's something else that we may be missing in, in this um, in these heartland terrorists or in this group of, of disaffected men that maybe there's, there is more to it. Maybe there is uh, money or something else or an undercurrent of the underworld that's also coursing through that, um, that maybe we haven't been able to see yet, but it certainly existed in the ISIS version uh, of these people. But it's, uh, 
it's a really interesting slice of of where America is right now, and we sort of have to face that. I think if we hope to ever become a united country again, I mean, we can't sort of get beyond this until we figured out what's going on um, with these groups, with this group of people. Yeah, I don't think uh, you know. I, I know what you're saying, but the ISIS is a is a thug. It's a it's basically a, a mafia of mm-hmm. a sort. You know, it's yeah. a thug. It's a terrorist, but they're 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 financed by um, criminal activity. Yeah. And um, I'm not sure that's what's going on here with these guys. I think it's you know a. Uh, I mean they they lived in like you know one of them was homeless and lived in the in the basement of a, of a vacuum cleaner repairman's office that he had worked for. And they met in this like little dirty dungeon with a secret door under a garage. And I mean, that's why I say they're just kind of, you know, it, it, as long, since it didn't turn into a bloody mess, they're just, it's just this like ridiculous white caper, these incels, you know, who didn't manage to carry it out. But I don't think that there is a, um, uh, an under, I mean, I, there may be in other places, like in, in the Dakotas, I think, where you have, you know, you have these, these oil, oil, uh, oil company financed kind of thugs running around. And, and, you know, that, that at Dapple, places like that, where you've really got, but I don't think, I think that's what's going on in the, in the Midwest, but I could be wrong. I'm, I'm looking into it though. I find it, I find it fascinating. And I, yeah, I, I will, take, I will take that, I will take that road trip when COVID's uh, lifts and send you back. To I think it's a great idea. I really think yeah. it would be amazing yeah. to, to, to get into the ground there once, and especially after COVID mm-hmm. to sort of get an understanding yeah. of what's really going on in the middle of the mm-hmm. country. Cause you know, I, I don't, I don't think it's just the economy and I don't think it's just being, no, not be able to get into Yale or whatever others have, have, uh, you know, have suggested. I think that there's much more to it than, than that. Yes. Um, now um, it's a, it's about purpose too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's about, about wanting purpose. to have a purpose and believing that's, that what you're doing is a good thing. You know, exactly. That's that. That's. I, I think it'll be interesting, Nina, when you go to see who the leaders of the movement are and who mm-hmm. they respond to, because I think groups like this need to have strong leaders, or they don't really function. And they believe that they're part of this group. The group's doing something mm-hmm. great. It's a cult mm-hmm. in the sense, in that sense. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, what we're doing is making a difference in the world, and we're superior. Everyone else is dumb. Blah blah blah. The ISIS guys basically took the. Um, you know, other uh, groups of people and enslaved them, um, you know, k- killed the men, enslaved the women. And then, you know, that was not good. So are these guys going to go to that route too? Because they're all incels. Like there's lots of things that they can well, know, they start certainly, to think I mean, about. The, the threat of misogyny in it is, uh, is gigantic. I mean, that's why yeah, they, they yeah. The, the things that you, they're quoting in these court, you know, they, oh, by the way, they bailed, they bailed them out. I mean, that's the other thing, you know, right. Kyle Rittenhouse walked today, by the way, Did he, he just walked out. He just $2 million. Dollars, out yeah. Oh my gosh. That's shocking. GoFundMe. That's related to this, Dev. Two of course million it is. Dollars. Yes. It's a GoFundMe that the, that the Republicans put money up for surely, or, you know, the Trumpies and they've walked him out today. He has left prison on a $2 million go. Now these other guys are, they've been trickled out and it's not making the headlines in the New York times, but in the Detroit free press, they're covering it every couple of weeks. They've let out a couple more on, mm. you know, they started with a $10 million bail and now then it was down to 15,000, something they could afford. And so they're, they're out. They've let them out. I think there are only one or That's two insane. of them that are still. There's a lot of. They are uh, out walking around. And, the, and the, the thread of misogyny, that the way they talked about this governor, this bitch, they hate, they hate her so mm. much for, 
for, you know, exercising the, the power to shut down the state of Michigan to protect the people from a deadly virus. It's so interesting you mentioned uh, Rittenhouse's lawyers because he does tie into Giuliani because his lawyer, um, this guy named John Pierce, I believe, mm. is, a, is a Giuliani associate, a really close friend of Rudy Giuliani's. Mm.